Hello, and welcome to the Work Inspired Podcast. I'm your host, George Lucas Pfeiffer, and today we're going to be exploring a fundamental human need. Now, we know we need clean air, food and water, shelter, safety, but what about literacy? Our guests today are the Florianis, Brian, who is the founder of Chicagoland not-for-profit Bernie's Book Bank, and his wife, Christy, who together have started Freedom Promotions, are here to explain to us why they believe reading is the single most important skill a child can have. They're going to give us perspective and ways that we can help. We're so excited that they're here. Work Inspired starts right now. Brian? Christy, thanks for being here. So excited you could be part of the, the show and uh, join us early on the first episode of season four of Work Inspired. Thank you for being here. Thanks yeah. for having us. So Thank let's, you. let's start off with the question we ask every guest. Has it changed <laughs> since the first episode? Tell us your professional stories. How'd you get to where you're at today? Well, it's been a long and winding road. I can say that much. Um, I got my master's degree in 99, and I've been working in social work um, for the most part for the last 20 some years, mostly with children and families and more on the front lines, working with families in their homes with parents and then also directly with children. So I've only recently come over to Freedom, which we'll talk about um, this year. Well, did you... Always know that's what you wanted to do is work work with families? I wanted to be of service okay. always, and I wanted to find the place where I could have the most impact. Mm. The rest, mm -hmm. details. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Brian, how about you? Um, man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. We might need a few different kinds of books uh, to, to have to unpack the chapters in there, but I would say that I've always just been seeking purpose in my life. Mm. And honestly, until my dad, Bernie, who Bernie's book bank is named after, passed away, you know, I thought I was going to be able to, um, I thought I was going to work in the golf business and I was running golf schools for Golf Digest and I really loved that. And, and honestly, I, that, that wasn't something I always thought that I was going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that kind of happened by happenstance as well, even though golf was always a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really haven't been on a career path necessarily. Um, my career path today as it stands found me mm -hmm. and it's more of a calling than it is a career or professional path um and frankly i'm blessed <laughs> to be able to call it that um i don't know if i could i could work in any other kind of environment than one that's, that's full of passion and purpose mm. and i was i've read the the story about your father and mm -hmm. his kind of um entrepreneurial spirit and 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 the literacy tie-in could you tell us a little bit about that because from from the golf course to literacy mm -hmm. and and the and the purpose-based mission of what you've done with both bernie's book bank and freedom promotions it's interesting what's the connection there well i don't know if we call my dad an entrepreneur um but um, I think he represents all, millions of people that have come before him mm. and millions that will come after him in terms of being an example of the American dream mm. when the when um, opportunity presented to you. Um, you know, he grew up in Western Pennsylvania, son of two immigrants, one from Poland, one from Italy, and had seven other brothers and sisters in a two bedroom house that uh, my dad didn't have running water until he went to college. Wow. Um, went on to get his doctorate and put three of us through school and. You know, I, all I know is I'll never be a coal miner like my grandfather, his father was. Mm -hmm. um, and so he literally read his way to a better life. And um, 
you know, after he passed away and, and some deep reflection on what I, I wanted my life to represent. Um, when I looked at his life and in, in fact, my grandmother died on the same day. So my mom lost her husband and her mom on the same day. And why that's important is, is after reflecting on that, what I realized is that I, in their eulogies, we weren't talking about their success at all. We were talking about their significance. Mm. And there's a big difference. Success being about your accomplishments, significance being about the accomplishments of other people. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of taking stock in, in my life. And if I were to take my last breath today at the time, you know, what would my eulogy look like? And if, if I were to die today, would anybody have anything to say about me? Would it be true? And would it matter? Mm. And no matter how I shaped it, I really didn't like the answers to those questions. Mm. And so um, through that and a pretty deep spiritual jive, dive, jive, we'll call it a jive, a spiritual <laughs> jive, a jive. Um, I, I want to be a servant mm. and um, didn't really know what that meant. And uh, the original manifestist, mana, let's say that differently. That was originally going to articulate itself <laughs> in the form of being an elementary school teacher in an under-resourced community. Mm-hmm. And that's where I spent my first couple of years, you know, understanding the need mm-hmm. from a different pr- perspective as an adult. Mm. And uh, it didn't really sit well with me. So um, that's where Bernie's Book Bank started. And and Freedom is was born out of that story. And I don't know if you want me to go into that now or we can probably pause because yeah, no, I would I would like to hear that piece of it, but I, let's let's go back to the elementary school teacher for a second because what what I read was that you were helping people, but you realized that you weren't going to be able to stop the influx of all the people that would need help that would just keep coming because it wasn't solving a problem. And so was that kind of like what was the what was the moment that you said there's got to be a better way to solve this problem of literacy? Which I think the quote was reading is the single most important skill a child needs. Mm-hmm. So if it's that important, mm-hmm. what where, was that like an epiphany that you had? Was there like a, well, something that inspired you to say I'm going to start a, a, a way to get these kids books? Well, I think it was a combination of a few things. One is the the experience in the schools, mm-hmm. you know. The, you know, coming into school as an adult, it's a totally different perspective of when you were in school yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't, we didn't learn to read and go, oh my gosh, I learned to read today. That my whole life's going to be different. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. Right. And then when you come in to a school system as an adult, first of all, you learn a lot about, you know, a lot of us have a lot of opinions about the educational system, which we probably shouldn't have unless we spend some time there, sure. not just as an, as a student, but you spend some time there and especially in an under-resourced community, you realize that this school is much more than just a school. It's everything to this community. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it provides meals, it provides shelter, it provides, you know, it, it's the connective tissue to the, for the whole community. But not only that, we're trying to teach these children how to read, write, write science, math, art. Uh, unfortunately, in these schools, all that fun stuff has been ripped out because they're so far behind in reading and math. Mm. Um, and I realized there too, just how critical literacy was mm. that, you know, um, the pursuit of happiness that we're guaranteed in this country, it's really predicated on two things, who you know and what you know. Mm-hmm. And if you grow up in poverty, you don't know who you might need to know to get where you want to go. Your only choice is what you know, and that's mm-hmm. built on the back of being a reader. Mm-hmm. And these children were not reading ready, and, and most of the second, third, and fourth graders were not reading proficient by third grade. Um, I hate to say it, but it was almost over before it started. Mm-hmm. And I you know, as an American and someone that believes in our country and somebody believes in what we've, the promise that we've um, provided to millions of people that really isn't 
an equitable promise. Um, I thought, well, if we wanted to solve something big, you solve the literacy issue and you solve a lot of other issues. And then specific to literacy, you can't solve it all. So what's the one piece that we could solve that's a solvable problem? And book ownership was that piece because what I was seeing, your children, we were sending children home. They were wanting to read, but we knew there weren't any books in the home. We knew that their parents weren't taking them to the library. It doesn't matter why. We just knew it wasn't happening. And even in the school where I was working, you could check books out from the library, but you couldn't take them home. Hmm. If you think about that practically, yeah. who's really responsible for getting the book back to the school? It's your parents. And if mm. the parents aren't doing it, how many times are you going to let 13 bucks walk out the door? Right. So the solution in America in 2020, what, I guess it was 2009 at that time, was teachers lined up at the copying machine copying off literature, stapling it together and giving it to children and thinking that that was going to inspire them to read. Mm. And that's just in our school. So yeah. if it's happening in that school, it's happening in hundreds of schools throughout this country. And so I, I thought, well, well, this is a solvable problem. It's, it's on a macro level. Um, I, I need to do whatever I can to make sure that they have all the chances they can have on in the, in the inside the walls of the school. Mm. Um, or it's where it's where I originally thought I was going to be, but, um, so we set out to build a children's book bank model that was ultra effective, efficient, scalable, and sustainable, and one we'd replicate in every major city in the country. Um, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds ambitious. And so you saw that the way that you could help was by providing the materials that a teacher might need to help, you know, to, or that, because uh, that's what I was thinking is obviously if you've got the books, that's necessary. Do you also need the personnel to be able to teach the Great reading? question. Yeah. So. Here's the, here's the analogy that, that I think is a pretty simple one for anybody to understand. You've got hospitals and surgeons and clinics, mm -hmm. and you've got blood banks. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why they're separate. Mm -hmm. Imagine if the surgeon had to go find their own blood, mm -hmm. right? And in our case, we're the lifeblood bank of learning. Mm -hmm. Our job is to get our hands on the resources, get it to where it needs to go, flood those book deserts so that we're at whatever program they're in, for-profit, for non-profit, preschool, after-school, intervention, prevention, that the hospitals and surgeons and clinics, quote, don't have to be the same people finding the blood. Mm. Um, that we saturate the market with that good quality, those good quality um, reading resources so they can do what they do best. And that's helping children become reading ready mm. and then become reading proficient. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely makes sense. Yes. Great analogy. You've probably used it before. Why don't you speak <laughs> to that, Christy? Because you, you were on the receiving end of that. Yeah, well, not necessarily as much the receiving end, but I was working with families as a home visitor. Um, and so I was seeing both illiteracy as it affected the parents who were struggling to uh, make ends meet and not being able to get to the next threshold in, in their jobs and their careers. And, and then, of course, their children who were not... Um, not having many books at their fingertips and mom and dad probably didn't have often didn't have enough time or energy left in their day to do the very thing that we know is is so helpful for kids which is just snuggling up and reading a book mm -hmm. fostering that that sense of joy and and excitement that a book can bring so um so it was disheartening and as a social worker for 20 some years as I mentioned, I was always trying to find where I could have the greatest impact. Mm -hmm. So um, I was really excited when I learned about Bernie's Book Bank. Um, 
And I saw the mission and I saw they, they were laser focused on getting books and homes. And I could see exactly what would happen if there were books and homes, because mm. that's what we were coaching our parents to do. Just read with their children. Mm. So let me ask you, you have kids, right? How old are they? Again? Nine, five, will be six soon and one. Do you have a few books in your home? I have <laughs> many books. So how, how much do you think you spent on children's books in your lifetime? A lot or a little? Probably quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yeah. Would you do it differently? No. No. And so all we're trying to do is replicate what our homes look like right. to our children from a book ownership perspective right. for these children. And I, that's interesting. I, you know, I was, as, as you've been talking through the story and you know, talking about blood banks and I think about food banks, you mm -hmm. know, things that other places where you donate the, mm -hmm. you know, the necessities of, of life. How much is, you know, because this is tied into education and the education system is largely controlled by the government, you know, most cities. Of course, there's private education, mm -hmm. but how much of this is a, even though you're not for profit, a private problem that needs solving versus something where the government needs to step in and say, this school doesn't have enough books. We need to get this. We need to get Jeez, George, you're really big. setting me up for either something <laughs> great here or to step into a really big hole. Um, I don't know how to quite, let's just put it this way. I'll bet on myself in Bernie's book bank. Mm. There was a need over most and, entities, yeah. including the government. Okay, well, said. wherever you yeah. stand on that, everyone, yeah. um, no, that's it's all cool with me. It's just if the problem hasn't been solved yet, mm -hmm. I'm not waiting for anybody else to solve it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it went. Like was it. Yeah. you know, as I looked around, I would see you know there was models and there was people doing it. But if I would, if I were to apply the words of effective, efficient, scalable, and sustainable, all mm. four of those, mm -hmm. you know, you might have something that's effective, but it's it's not sustainable mm. or it's not efficient. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, if it can be done in food banking, if it could be done in blue, blood banking, um, and I'd almost call this a necessity too, mm -hmm. right? Because you know, it's not it's not it's not necessary to sustain life. Mm -hmm. But it is necessary to sustain a rich and full life. Right. And I think that's what we're trying to provide here in America mm -hmm. to all citizens, at least last time I checked. Yeah. Teach a man to fish. That's exactly right. That one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or teach a person or a woman. Yes. Well said. <laughs> I, I, um, uh, I have a couple, I have a bunch of questions for you. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about freedom promotions, but something that I've been just really, I mean, maybe this is the availability of it, but digital transformation so you deal with how many books now 20 million 20 million 20. so we push anywhere from um well and just in chicago land yeah. we push anywhere from 100 to 150,000 books a week wow so since we started my garage 13 years ago um you know we employ 40 people now we have 50,000 visitors to the facility every year and we push about 150,000 books a week so wow. it's it's you know it's 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 we're we're a logistics organization sure. for anything. Okay. Um, but you ask about the digital age. So so ten eleven years ago, my answer to that question was, well, I sure hope that we we have a priority straight in terms of how these children want to read. But it was just a hope, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm excited to say today that the marketplace has really flushed this out for us. Mm. That if there's one shining spot in publishing, it's in children's books because that children's book publishing is exploding really and that really mm -hmm. is an indicator that children still want books 
even children that can afford books, they prefer the books. The tangible book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, with digital too, you need, you need a, you need a device, mm -hmm. you need Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. Um, and because we do it for, at, at the book bank for, for dirt cheap, mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good bet. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the right thing that, mm -hmm. that children want books and they need books and it's more effective, mm -hmm. um, in terms of getting someone reading ready and then reading proficient, yeah. it's, it's, it's the right way to go. So. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean there's not applications for digital in any, in teaching someone anything. Mm -hmm. But I think when it comes to young children being reading ready and, 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 um, developing a love for reading, mm. it's with, it's with books. Mm. It makes a lot of sense. Um, we saw through the pandemic, what happens if we lean on the digital, sure. you know, right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, passage of information i saw it because i had a a caseload of 24 families who were all trying to teach you know their older children at home with internet outages with one chromebook per mm -hmm. you know three kids um moving you know all of that instability means that the digital prevalence is not as felt and seen as you know an actual book mm -hmm that someone can hold so and there's something accessible going away. and tangible about it you you yeah. mentioned like the, the family getting together and snuggling up in bed you know like yeah. it's there's just it's, it's, there's something different about being behind a screen and we we talk about that a lot on this podcast the difference between in person and remote which i know yeah. this isn't you know there are some tools that help teach kids to read as far as you know an ipad app or something and the schools seem to be sure. using more of them mm -hmm. but the accessibility factor and even the transferability of it, right? You can right. like these books that are, they're mostly new or gently used, mm -hmm. but I'm sure that the lifespan of that book doesn't end at that first child that receives it, right? Hopefully not. And you, right. bring up a, you bring up a good yes. point. I get asked a lot, well, do you get the books back so you can distribute to someone else that needs them? Actually, no, because remember, this is a logistics challenge more than anything. Mm -hmm. And because those books now are where we need them to be, mm -hmm. we now want to encourage that child to become the giver and find when they're done with them, you find a child in your home, mm -hmm. your your neighborhood, your building, whatever it may be. And now you pass them along and you expect the same things out of them that we expect out of you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it changes the dynamic that they're not always the one being given something, that right. they now are empowering somebody else. Right. And they're a part of the logistics, you know, the supply chain. We we don't want them coming back. Mm -hmm. We we want them where they are. They just need to be passed on to the next person. Even if it's passed down generationally you yep. know like uh, sure. a lot of the books you asked about sure. our house we've got mm -hmm. a lot of books that came from yep. our childhood you know yep. or even our parents childhood so that's right that yeah. is uh another plus on the that's right that sure is. are these where are the books coming from donations um, well <laughs> so when you when you have when you have a commitment like that uh -huh. of millions of books a year and you're, and you're trying to grow that commitment in other areas of the country, you, you need to develop very robust pipelines. Yeah. And that's anywhere from your home uh -huh. to being, have, being in relationship with some of the largest publishers and distributors yeah. in the world yeah. to make sure that we, whenever there's an opportunity that we're there, and that might be a donation, it might be we buy books in the remainder markets, mm. Um, and now we're even printing books with publishers. So a publisher will come to us with a front list title and say, here's the metadata on this book. This is how much it is per unit. If you were to add on to our print run, um, they love it. Cause one, I think that they're in business with us for the future, right? We're, we're, if we can grow the marketplace, mm -hmm. um, between now and the future, that's enormous for them. 
Um, but also they love that because if we were, if they're running 5,000 units, we add on another 5,000 units, it drives down the cost per unit. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's, that's, I think that's one of the keys to our success of the book bank is how we look at relationships. And that's, we want to be your partner, not your charity. Mm -hmm. And we don't come with our arms out. We come with them open Mm -hmm. and what do you value? How can we be a part of your life professionally, personally, or, or both? Mm. Um, and provide value back to you, which is critical in a quote-unquote business where your productivity is not directly related to your revenue. Gotcha. The only thing you have is the relationship right. or nothing at all. Right. It's the age span. Does it go like K-12? For what? 12 through the For the, who we serve, mm-hmm. um, it's um, zero to 12-year-olds. Zero to 12. Yeah, okay. so we really focus on yeah, the prevention sense. side yeah, of things, sure. not the intervention side of things. Okay. So talk about now the Freedom Promotions tie-in or lack thereof how does where does where does the new venture come into play because it's fairly new right yeah yeah we're we're new but we've partnered with another company that's been in business for a long time Mm -hmm. so we we have the capabilities of pretty much to do anything at this point um i'll talk about a little i'll hand it over to christy for for her to talk about it a little bit as well but um you know with my experience in 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 building the book bank and developing those relationships from a philanthropic perspective especially in the corporate community Mm you learn that um especially today they have they're trying any way they possibly can to check that corporate social responsibility box the esg box mm-hmm. um they're being they're under a lot more demands now from people that are coming to work for them and their customers right. you know yeah. um 60 of purchases made today are made with purpose in mind i think that that's only going to increase um and though our philanthropic future is more uncertain than it's ever been we have the this new phenomenon of consumerism becoming activism Mm -hmm. you know where is it made how is it made who does it benefit and my thought was well i mean it didn't take me long to to learn that the that the philanthropic buckets at a corporation are just a little bit smaller than their marketing budgets yeah okay and that's cool whatever um Mm -hmm. but i thought well what if we could turn a budget that they've already budgeted into impact Mm -hmm. um and Promotional products is a $20 billion industry. You know, corporations still spend, whether it's client appreciation, colleague appreciation, whatever it may be, they're supposed to still spending a pretty penny on anything that's decorated with their logo. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, well, what if we created a mechanism for them to better mar- uh, leverage those marketing dollars, get what they need, but also be corporate and be yeah. socially responsible at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the working hypothesis, pi- hypothesis. And so far, it's proven to, to be a good one yeah um so we're excited about it and because really we don't i mean we can provide we believe we can provide the best customer service out there mm-hmm. we have access to any product that you might want um our turnaround times are as good as anybody um our pricing we can match anybody and at the end of the day 100 percent of our profits goes back to literacy so who wouldn't do that and that's important because there right. are companies where a portion goes back yes. right but yeah. you're saying 100 percent of the profits no, it's the back. only reason we exist that's trust me we have plenty of other things to do <laughs> um we're not here to create generational wealth for ourselves and our family we're here to to deliver on a promise that mm. that our country has has provided for hundreds of years that hasn't quite come true yet mm. so cool mm-hmm. And, Jesse, what do you, what do you yeah. got to say about that? Anything? 
No, I think, yeah, I think you covered Sorry, it. Sorry, I just I mean, kind of covered yeah, all the bases. Yeah, that's have that's you, the whole reason to be. Have you found, because it's, it's a compelling message and it makes a lot of sense. When you talk to organizations, is it resonating? Like, what, what are some of the... For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. For it's sure. a win-win. Mm-hmm. We provide a service they already need, right. which, you know, they were looking for in, in many of the occasions where I'm out developing business. They were already looking for a vendor mm-hmm. for this thing. And I can add that we're, you know, we've got 30 years in the business behind us. And then on top of all of that, we have this this beautiful give back mm. that, that it strikes a chord with just about everybody with a heartbeat. So. I mean, I will, I will say it's kind of like when the book bank started and we would start reaching out to, to schools that we thought might need help. Mm. You know, I think they've been promised a lot before. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, so wait, you show up with 16,000 books a year for nothing and we don't have to do anything. And you're like, that's right. And I think the same thing, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of the same thing now where people are like, why? Like who in their right mind mm-hmm. would give away 100% of their profit? Well, no one, but I'm not in my right mind. <laughs> and Christy's not in her right mind because we not are, we are disturbed mm-hmm. about the fact that we're living in a country that does not provide the same opportunities to every child that, mm. that we should. Mm-hmm. So um, I think... I think once people understand how sincere we are about mm. this and that we deliver on our promise and um, that you're almost going to be on the outside looking in if you're not working with us. Yeah. Um, because this is an opportunity for you to, to, to leverage a, a big marketing spend for the benefit of others. And there's no, really no reason why they should. In fact, so for, for every about a million dollars of business that we do, it's about 200 grand back to literacy. Wow. So when you put things in those perspective and you think about what companies are spending Mm -hmm. and you put this company up against on top of this one, on top of that one, Mm -hmm. um, it can turn into a very large number. In fact, that's our goal. Our goal is to give away a hundred million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. And we don't say that like that's easy or that we're flipping about it. We, we say that out loud because we want it to happen Mm -hmm. and we believe it must happen Mm -hmm. and we know it will. Mm -hmm. I like the confidence. Literacy, we've talked about, you know, you've given some really compelling statistics and information. There's obviously a lot of need in the world and in this country. When people are trying to decide where they're going to give, what do you tell them? I mean, if it's if it's the if it's the reality that there's no other place to get promotional products that gives back to some form of a charity. I mean, 100 percent of profits is amazing then that's a no-brainer. But like the, the, the book banks, or if they're going to donate somewhere, mm-hmm. but they're looking at yeah. the Cancer Foundation or the yeah. Children's Hospital or, you know, like well, the Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. How, do they, how, do you, how do you help them? Is it something just about passion? Is it education? How do they make that decision? Well, one, I'd say if you're a giver, thank you. Mm. If you're not a giver, start giving. Mm. Um, it's good for you. It's good for your family. It's good for your children. And as they say, when you give, you receive. Mm-hmm. And it, that's a guarantee. Yeah. Where you give, um, you know, that's, if you were to force me to, to make a pitch for literacy, I will. Because mm-hmm. uh, all, uh, all these nonprofits, all these causes, they're, they're, everybody's just trying to help someone. Yeah. And I'm for anybody trying to help anybody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, if you want me to make a case for literacy, it's pretty easy. And that is 
if you think about homelessness, poverty, hunger, all of our other social ill wills, if you really want to get right down to the source of it, it's lack of hope. Mm -hmm. And if you want to, you know, whether, and, and if you want to find where that comes from, you're going to find somewhere in that story, education and or literacy mm -hmm. somewhere. And mm -hmm. so I believe if you saw, we believe we saw, if you solve the literacy issue, mm -hmm. you're going to solve a lot of other, a lot of other issues, you know, and it's not just an emotional conversation, by the way, it's mm -hmm. a practical one. Um, there's a statistic that says if we were to move the literacy needle by 1%, it would have a $480 billion positive impact on the economy. Wow. So I ask, and this is more rhetorical than anything, but if that's the case, then why aren't we focusing on them? Mm -hmm. And I'll just leave that for, the, for you and the listeners to mm -hmm. really think about that and contemplate, maybe ask your friends and family over dinner because there's a reason but i haven't seen a reason yet that's practical why we shouldn't be focusing on this mm. and you talk about that you talk about a one percent increase in the return on investment of that that correct that giving yeah you guys have given a lot over the what now 13 years or well, the, bo long? the book right. bank that you know, the book bank from a book perspective, yes. And yeah. a lot of people have put their trust in us. Mm -hmm. But what I guess what I'm saying is if you've got a dollar in your hand okay, yeah. and you're trying to decide where you want to have the most impact, sure. um, you know, look, you, you, you're not going to compete with trying to save lives. And, mm -hmm. and look, my brother died two years ago of ALS. And I would encourage anybody to give to mm -hmm. research for ALS and, um, but if you're talking about all, all boats rising, mm -hmm. all boats rising, mm -hmm. there's no greater place than literacy. Mm. You well, just can't well, lose. Yeah, yeah. You talked about being a logistics company and the scaling up from your garage to serving cities throughout America. And at this point with Bernie's, right? Getting and, there, yeah. And, and you've got some ambitious goals of giving back $100 million through freedom promotions. Mm -hmm. And so... I, does it stop in this country? Do you have your sights set on literacy in other parts of the world? Or do you think there's enough need? I mean, there's, well, it I sounds like there's a lot of need here, and that's where kind of your focus is. Or you're just really confident in our ability to get things done. I like, I yeah, like well, that. Yeah, well, let's go, Goldberg. Listen, um, one, this, you know, this is where I was born. This is the team I mm -hmm. invest in. This is the team I play on, mm -hmm. right? And these are my family members and my neighbors, right? And we've got a lot of issues right here in our own backyard. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to get our house in order mm -hmm. um, before we try to clean up anybody else's. Yeah. And um, because we want to be as effective as we can do in that, right? Yeah. And um, I would love to... to I would love to solve every problem in America. Mm. And I'm winking, audience, if you can't see me. I'm doing that with a <laughs> smile on my face. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to solve every problem in America. But the, the fact of the matter is, you know, in terms of $100 million with Freedom Promotions, it, will that happen in our lifetime? Um, chances are probably not. But my hope is that we've set up a foundation for a company that has the ability to do that in the future. And there's no reason why it shouldn't. And um and furthermore, just solve these problems. It's mm -hmm. really not about money and numbers. It, for me, it's about solving the literacy crisis in America. However, we need to do whatever we need to do to possibly do that. So if someone wants to get involved and wants to help, they can go to Freedom Promotions. 
and do that through their company swag or merchandising. Mm-hmm. They can get involved in a book event or drive. What, are, what, are, what would you tell people if they want to learn more about helping out? Well, I, I would say if you're, if you're looking at serving in terms of if you have time, treasure, talent that you want to engage in, hopefully you have all three mm-hmm. and you want to provide all three, um, you just go to berniesbookbank.org. You know, we do this for less than a dollar, then less than $2 a book. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find a book at a garage sale for less than $2, <laughs> let alone move it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for a great place to volunteer, we take all ages and abilities at Bernie's Book Bank. Um, and then we're always looking for people just to engage to, to help, help, help us um, develop relationships outside of our centers of influence. Um, you could do book drives. That's an easy one. Um, if you're someone who buys anything with your logo on it, it could be you're, you're a boosters club. It could be you're the chief marketing officer of your company. You could be um, working on a local 5K race. Anything that your logo or image goes on. If you're one of those people and you want to have an impact at the same time, mm. Freedom Promotions is your jam. Cool. And we want to work with you. I like it. Freedom spelled F-R-E-A-D-O-M. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah. And spread the word because mm-hmm. our mission's twofold. We want to amplify awareness mm. as well. So just spread the word so more people are talking about it. And you just mentioned, too, the relationship part, you know resources and time your money or time mm-hmm. you can give that but you guys have some great partners it seems and so by connecting you or you know the mission to others is probably another significant way to no doubt spread the mm-hmm. awareness and get more no, people involved right? no doubt yeah. Yeah. well you know it's who you know what you know yeah. and um i think i think developing authentic relationships around anything is critical to having a chance at succeeding at anything mm. So many quotes. And that means you too. Out of his mouth that I we know. can just put in there. <laughs> right we're going to teach you how to play golf. And we're going to. How about you, Joe? Are you going to play golf with us? Never swing a golf club. Oh, well, do you That's want great. to? That's great. He's green. Okay. Well, we'll do that when, when, when it gets nice out. And you can teach me how to turn on the camera. <laughs> awesome. Well, in addition to learning some golf, what's next for your family? What are you looking forward to in the year ahead? You know, we. We love our kids. We have three kids. Um, one will be a senior in high school, oh, wow. so we're looking at colleges for him. Um, one will be a freshman in high school, so that's a whole new set of adventures for her. And the youngest is um, going to be at the top of his elementary school, so he'll be <laughs> wow. the big man on he'll campus. He'll be a senior in elementary school. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so we're really excited about all of that. And we just got married last year and bought the house, so we've had a lot going on. Exactly. So we're just kind of yeah. soaking in um, family yeah, maybe life let the right roots, now. Maybe let the yeah. roots get a little bit longer. Yeah. Because <laughs> not only, I mean... we. We just tend to put a lot of on our plates. Mm, yeah. That sounds like that. Yeah. yeah. So Bernie's well, is emerging. Yeah. So we'll be yeah. we'll be going to new cities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You talk about, you know, kids that are your kids' age. Mm-hmm. Can they get involved with what you guys are oh, doing? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a uh, I think I'm glad you brought that up, George, cuz I think that we need to be as a country with our kids explaining to them how they can have an impact on the world right now. Mm. And um it's one of the things we're most proud of at the book bank that we take all ages and abilities to volunteer there. Um, we're the only organization in Chicago and that would take a child under the age of five. Mm. And if you think about things that we learn before we can remember, 
they become habit. Mm -hmm. And I think that service as a habit for our young folks is really good for them, yeah. you know, in an age where s mental health seems to be on all of our minds. Um, I think part of that's just about perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, if you serve on a regular basis, chances are your perspective is going to be a little bit different than somebody who doesn't. Yeah. And when you get proximate to people who have less than you, um, you tend, not always, but you tend to, to think about yourself a little bit less. Mm. And when you think about yourself a little bit more uh, or a little bit less, everything gets better. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, I think that kids, kids can get involved as early as their parents will facilitate it. Mm. And I think it's good for everybody. I love it. And they get involved at your, the main so at, at the book, center? Yeah, at the book yeah. bank, um, they can plug in there. But we also do um, pop-up processing centers. So if, you, mm. if we're, this, our main facilities in Lake Bluff, we serve six counties of Chicagoland. Okay. But if you're someone that wanted to facilitate a pop-up, you know, it could be at your park district, could be at your local high school, whatever, where we come in, we set up a processing center for one or two, three days. Mm. Um, th that's interesting as well. And yeah. that's a really good option for people that have, are just being a little bit more ambitious yeah. and want to do something for their community. We can do that. Oh, I love it. So you're going to do that, George? I think I might get them out in the West suburbs. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go. follow up. Yeah. We've also had a handful of kids, or not a handful, many kids who get excited about Bernie's and the mission, and for their school project or Girl Scouts or whatever, they, instead of a lemonade stand, they collect books oh, yeah. for a certain amount of time, and that gives them the, the um, feeling of giving back and, and tying it all together. So mm -hmm. that's been fun to see. Mm -hmm. We ask every guest on this show to recommend a resource that's been valuable in their, in their career. And you guys have probably read lots of books or been mm -hmm. associated with them. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something that an adult would read, but what's been, whether it is a book or a podcast or a group, what, is, what would you recommend to others that are, you know, that's been something that's been valuable for you? Oh, George, I might, um, I might sound cliche, but the most valuable thing for me in my, in my career and, and um, in this work is every single encounter I've had with a parent or child mm -hmm. because that's, that's the lifeblood that keeps me going and that's how I learn what's really out there, mm -hmm. what's really needed, what's really working. Um, that's the richest source of you know material if you want to say that but sure. the richest source of growth and development i can think of now i'm i'm hungry for podcasts and mm -hmm. i love books you know but i i truly think that a moment in time with someone who's struggling mm. just it it blows all the other things i could read away sure Thanks. and i would just piggyback on that in terms of resources you know you probably have people say well this is the podcast i listen to or i've read this book and um it, it's my answer is similar to christie's but in the fact that we walk by people every day all day that we sometimes don't even acknowledge mm. and we're looking for wisdom and we look for it everywhere except for the people that are in our own circles mm -hmm. And if they're not in your circles, get them in your circles. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been blessed with the amount of people who, and I put time into the relationship too, but who believe in me and that 
spend time with me and you know um i mean just talk about folks over the age of 60 in our country how we just kind of discard them mm. they have all the wisdom any of us will ever need and it doesn't have to be a podcast you don't have to read it you don't have to discover it you just go and spend some time with them mm -hmm. and maybe you even go with questions mm -hmm. you'll find your answers yeah right so i think it's the people that you're you're amongst every day yeah. we're just always looking for something else right. besides what's right in front of us right yeah. well speaking of wisdom you both have a lot of it and you joked christy have you guys ever considered writing a book no no i you, you know what it, the only um no you've got enough no. of them to distribute well it's 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 i but I'll say this. I'll never say never, but the only way I'd ever write a book is if it was for the right reasons and mm. it had nothing to do with me. Mm. Well, I even hesitated to ask this last question because we ask it to everybody, but because um, you've given so many pieces of what I would consider wisdom or advice. But um, if you were retiring, and I know you're not, you got a lot left to do, a lot of plans, a lot of ambition. But what would you say to somebody that was following in your footsteps? Or what would you say to somebody that's considering? taking on an endeavor like you have or looking to make a case within their own organization for good, what would you tell them? I would say that's a good start mm. that your mind and your heart's around in there, right? Um, <sighs> it's all about, it has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with everyone else. And you know, there's a great, if you haven't seen it before, you got to look this up. Um, if you just YouTube starting a movement, um, there's this old video. It's no about way. seven minutes long. It looks, if you think you're watching the wrong video of a grainy guy, of a, a, it's a grainy video of a guy in, looks like he's in Colorado dancing at this music festival all by himself. If, if that's what you've stumbled across, you're you're looking at the right video. Um, but there's a voiceover talking about starting a movement and it has nothing to do with the first knucklehead. It has to do with the first followers and mm. then the followers after that mm. and the followers after that. And, um, you know, I would just say, um, it's gonna, ha it's gonna have nothing to do with you. It's gonna have to be, a, it's gonna have to do with your ability to find the people who know what you're trying, know how to do what you're trying to do. And, provide them with a great opportunity to have an impact. Mm. Um, if it's about you, you don't have a chance. Mm. If you think you're gonna do it on your own, you don't have a chance. Like the, the, like the whole self-made man, self-made person thing, I think is one of the biggest farces that we've ever perpetuated because nobody, no one does anything on their own. Mm. Not, yeah. not, not to think about the, a celebrity, a, a, an athlete, a, anybody. No one did anything by themselves, mm. nothing. And um, so I would just say, surround yourself with people that love you, yeah. that believe in you, and that are way smarter than you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say that um, throughout all this time that, that I've worked in social work, I've seen a lot of duplication of services. So I would say to this person, yes, you're an outlier. If you're starting younger, you're an outlier. Feed off of that hunger to serve. 
and be sure to look around because mm -hmm. you don't want to recreate the wheel. We need to make change right now. Mm -hmm. So first, make sure you're not duplicating what other people are doing successfully. Um, and second, stay focused on your mission. Yeah. It's too easy when you are in the nonprofit world or in a humanitarian um, position to start to think about um, legal want, things that you can work for or, or changes yeah, that are happening to, to your, problems. yeah, mm -hmm. the you things know, that happen to your population that you're trying to serve. It's like you can get distracted so, so easily and um, you really need to stay focused on that mission and just keep driving. Well, I want to say thank you to you both. You've thank given you. us a lot to think about, a lot of ways we can act. Thank uh, you. It's called Work Inspired and you're inspiring people. Thank you for all you're doing and I uh, appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for having us, George. Thank you, George. We loved it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to rate our show. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Work Inspired podcast so that you don't miss any of the incredible guests we have planned for upcoming episodes. We'll continue to find the best and brightest minds in business so that you can learn, grow, and succeed, and so that we can all work inspired. Work Inspired is brought to you by BOS, a leader in commercial working environments and a Hayworth best-in-class dealership. Experience our 360 approach and discover the team, tools, and techniques required to navigate the complexity of your next workspace at BOS.com. If you have ideas, feedback, or would like to be featured on our show, please email podcast at BOS.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a Workspace Digital production. If you're interested in launching a podcast at your organization, please email info at workspace.digital for a free consultation. Thank you.